0: hot. And if it could stay hot forever, it'd be awesome. But I know some of you guys like the cold. And that's why we live up here because we have the four seasons basically. And so we did cut cut worship a little bit only because we got communion that we're going to have this uh, at the end of this our service. And so that's why uh, I'm up here early. And Jim tells me, he says, so the guy that's reading uh, Proverbs knows that we're only doing two songs. I said, we're not doing Proverbs no more. We're finished. He's like, huh? It's like, it's okay. It was only for a time. And so it's awesome that we have Victory in the Lord, that song. Um, It's the first time they're playing it, but I said, I've heard it. Maybe they stole it. I don't know. But sometimes I practice with them. And so he said, I think we were practicing, messing around one time with it. I was like, okay, because they're practicing early this morning. And I'm walking down the hallway and I'm singing it. It's just a catchy tune. Maybe that's all it is. So be that as it may, I'm so proud of these guys that uh, God has just blessed them and encouraging them to uh, just seek the Lord and, and to worship and to write songs about it. So that's awesome. So after finishing John chapter 3 last week, if you will turn there, uh, we're moving right along into John, First John, Chapter Four. Now it was important for us to um, to go back to the last three verses of Chapter Three because in that very last verse of that chapter, the Apostle John mentions the Holy Spirit in that verse, and it was important for us to go there. Because of that, as you'll see as we go on this morning, but, but I do want to go back to John, John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 24. Just so I can set up this morning's message, and I know you guys are probably thinking, I thought we were done with it. Humor me for a bit as I set up this morning for John chapter 4. Because there are two keys in that verse, in that last verse, that are very important for us to understand, if we're going to move on and understand, especially what he is trying to tell us this morning. There are two words, there are two keys, but there are two, two things that, that we look at. The, the, one of them is a word, and, and the word is abide. That's that's one of the keys that we have in verse 24. And the other thing, the other key that's there is the person of the Holy Spirit. Very, very important that we understand because, again, he's, he's kind of introducing us to the Holy Spirit in his letter right here. Although the Holy Spirit was alluded to back in chapter 2, verse 20, where he says, But you have an anointing from the Holy One and you know all things. And so he refers to him as the Holy One back in chapter 2, verse 20. And it says that the Holy One would anoint you, and you will understand all things that pertain to God. That word anointed in verse 20 of chapter 2 means that he has smeared on a special endowment of himself in order for us to understand and retain what we need to know. So in a sense, because of that, we have the Holy Spirit abiding with us, in us, and upon us. If you're familiar with, first, or with the Gospel of John chapter 14, He says, as Jesus said, that He would be leaving. He says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will send you the Helper. I will send you the comforter. He says, and he will be with you and he will be in you. And then in, in, John, in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he says, And the Holy Spirit shall come upon you and he will give you power. And so there are three different Greek words when he talks about with, in, and upon And so he, Jesus says, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I will come again, he says. And he will come, or he did come in the form or in the person of the Holy Spirit of truth. The helper, the one that he said in verse 26 of that chapter, that he will teach us all things and bring to remembrance all things that he has said to us. And so, understanding those two keys of abiding and having the Holy Spirit in our lives will help us to be able to believe and to love. And those two keys will unlock for us the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Because that's what the Word of God just kind of spells out for us, it shows us both sides. Now, verse 24 of chapter 3 of 1 John says this, Now, he who keeps his commandments abides in him and he in him. And by this, we know that he abides in us by the Spirit whom he has given to us. Now, I I, I, I want to rephrase it. It's not through the Amplified. It's through my own little version as I was kind of looking this Over this verse. And I wanted to personalize it. Not only for you. But for me. Um, And it goes like this. in, In my translation up here. My little pea brain up here. It says. Now the believer. Who keeps God's commandments. Dwells in Jesus. And Jesus dwells in the believer. And by this we know. That Jesus dwells in us. By the Holy Spirit. Whom Jesus, or God, has given us. Again, because we hear him, his, you know, all these things, it's like if, we, if you break it down, he's talking to the believer, he's talking about God's commandment, he's talking about Jesus, and he's talking about the Holy Spirit. If God's commandments are living in us and He lives or, or, or we, they abide in us, if God dwells in us and He has given us His Holy Spirit, then He has given us everything we need, everything we need for life and godliness. All that the triune God is, the Father, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit dwells and makes His home in us. Think about that for a moment. And as you think about that, let me read to you the first six verses that we will be covering in chapter 4. Again, just thinking of the fact that the triune God makes His abode in you and in us. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this... You know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of Antichrist, which you have heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. And the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. But this we know. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Going back to verse 1, as we start this chapter, finally. He says, Beloved, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. First of all, you have to acknowledge you have to see the emphasis of the tenderness of the apostle john towards his brothers he 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 loves them so much that 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 he wants them to understand that to have the word of god abiding in you to have the holy spirit in you you need to understand this my brothers and there's this 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 tenderness that comes with him calling them beloved as he is about to warn them about what's out there he he is warning them that they need to be discerning astute perceptive of what comes down in the spiritual realm in this world because there's a spiritual realm He just got done telling them at the end of chapter 3. He just got done encouraging them about faith and love. But faith and love is not to be blind and ignorant. You know, again, we are called to believe and we are called to love. And sometimes in that believing and in that loving, we have to make hard choices and we need to stand for that. We need to stand for who Jesus Christ is and what He is against, we need to be against. What He is for, we are to be for. (laughs) And so He's telling us, hey, love or have faith and have love, but don't be ignorant and don't be blind to the things that are out there. We are not just to believe anything and everything that is out there. And that's what they were facing back there. And that's what we face even today. As believers, we cannot just believe everything that comes down the pike. We just can't. We have to test the spirits. It is telling us here, as much as God wants us to love, He wants us to be aware. And we cannot be ignorant. He says, don't believe every spirit. The scriptures do recognize that there is an unseen spirit world. And it is not all godly. (laughs) It just isn't. And ever since the fall of Satan, there have been two sides to this unseen spiritual world. And it is made up of good and evil. Truth and error. It is made up of those kinds of things. And anything, and I mean anything, that is not of God is evil. I don't care how nice they come across. If they are not of God, it's of the evil one. I don't care how sincere someone is in how they believe and how they portray themselves. If they do not believe that Jesus has come in the flesh as God it is of the evil one see here here's where sometimes it's like they're so nice they sound so it's like they are of the evil there's a line that is drawn and and we're going to see that here Jesus said this in Matthew 5:17 or 5 okay Jesus said this in Matthew 7:15 Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Second Corinthians chapter 11 verses 13 to 15, and you should write these down because they are important for us to understand this as we go through this portion of scripture so that when... There's people in your life that are sounding so nice and so sincere, but there's a little check in your spirit because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. These are the verses that you go back to because Jesus says, hey, they're out there. And so he says, hey, there's people that will come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. They're putting on a cover, a facade. And in 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen 13 to 15 says this, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing for his ministers also to, uh, if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose in will be according to their works whoa what satan can transform himself into an angel of light even if he has no light absolutely he is a counterfeit He loves to counterfeit. And if he could look like a Christian, he will make himself look like a Christian. And he says, and no wonder, his ministers do the same thing. And you're sitting there going, well, how am I to know this? It's easy. (laughs) Know what the Word of God says. Know that it's up there, or out there. Test the spirits. Everything that comes your way, guys, Everything, even from this pulpit, you are to confirm it with the word of God anywhere. I don't care what you watch, who you hear, anybody, you have to confirm it with the word of God. Is it measuring up to that? Because in order to test anything, anything that you want to test, if you have something to compare it to, you see if it measures up. There has to be a template, there has to be a pattern or a model that is used in order to run the test. And so he says, test the spirits. But then again, in anything, there has to be something that you test against. The fact that Jesus said in his word, and his word tells us that there will be those who look like, act like, and talk like believers. If he wouldn't have given us some kind of a, a template, a model, a, 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 a pattern to compare it to, he would have, that, that would have been a, a, a dirty trick on, on his part. That, that, that he would say, hey, there's out there, but I give you nothing to compare it with. So whatever you think, whatever you feel, no. He's given us the template here in the word of God. He's given us a template, Him. Everything that we do, everything that comes our way, we have to test the Spirit, whether they are of God or not. And He has given us His Holy Spirit and His Word that abides in us as the template. This is all we need. If you are a Christian, then He says then His commandments should be abiding in you. The things from the Word of God, especially love, should be in you. And He has given us His Holy Spirit to live within us as well. So, if we have that arsenal with us, then anything that comes our way, we, we, we test it in comparison to His Word and to His Holy Spirit. That's all we need. That is the template, that is the pattern, that is our model. And in order to run all these tests, we need to run them through this. And this, and His Holy Spirit, will never steer us wrong. And it will never, ever give us a false reading. Now, verses 2 and 3 where it says, by this you know the Spirit of God. This is the fast, easy, and quick way to test everything to see if it is from the Spirit of God, and it comes in Jesus. Everything. Everything is tested in regards to Jesus. Because Jesus, as, as I talk about abiding in His commandments and the Holy Spirit, we're talking about Jesus all in all. He is the Word of God. We have His Spirit living within us. Everything is compared to Jesus. He is the template. He is the pattern. He is the model. By which everything and anything is, me- uh, is to measure up to. But I'll tell you this. It has to do, as we're going to look in these two verses, it has to do with His incarnation. That, 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 that's, that's the template. His incarnation. Now, even though the word incarnation is never mentioned in the Bible, it is the doctrine, the teaching that will prove whether people are of God or not, if the spirits are of God or not. It is by His incarnation. The the, the essence of that doctrine is that God came in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ. You see, that is the measuring. That is the the, the measuring point, the barometer, whatever you want to say. It has to measure up to that. When he says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. If they believe in the incarnation... they are of God. If they don't, they are not of God. That's how simple it is. If they confess, if they agree with, speak the same thing and acknowledge that God has come in the flesh, in the person of Jesus Christ, by this you know the Spirit of God. If there is any variance whatsoever... If there is any disagreement in that realm right there in the incarnation, in that, in, in, in that area, in any way, manner, or form, they do not have the Spirit of God, but the Spirit of Antichrist. That's, that's what verse 3 is telling us here. That's how easy it is to understand this. It's no more complicated than that. And God uses the word spirit with the small s to describe man in his spiritual sense or in the spiritual side of man. Because every man has a spiritual side. Every man. And it is either with God or against God. And those who say that they are neutral in this arena will default to against God. (laughs) That's who they default with. If, if, if Turn over to, uh, to Ephesians chapter 2, to, to prove this point in that sense, that every man has a spiritual side to them. It says in verse 1 to verse 3, it says, And you He made alive who were once dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world according to the prince of the power of the air the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh fulfilling the desires of the flesh and were and of the mind and were by nature children of wrath just like the others we have all been there every last one of us until we made that decision or or, or that time came where, where we said we want jesus in our life and he made us alive in the spiritual sense towards the things of god to where before we were spiritually dead but there was this spirit of disobedience that we were always obeying in that sense and so man always has always had the spiritual side to him. Now this is where the complications come in. When we're talking about, well, how do we know? Here's part of the complication, lack of knowledge of what the Word of God says on the part of the believer. Lack of knowledge. Not knowing what the Word of God says. The Word of God, we, we just read in, in, in the previous chapter, is to abide in us. He's, he's given us His Holy Spirit so that we can understand these kinds of things. And so the Word of God is clear. It's given us everything we need to test the spirits. Everything. But the Holy Spirit cannot bring to mind that which was has never been put into our mind. He is so ready to give you and to bring to remembrance everything that is in the Word of God. But it's up to us to put it in there in the first place. And here, you know, people are like, well, I just don't understand. Well, just read it anyways. Believe you me, the Spirit is doing His part and will always do His part. If the Holy Spirit dwells in you, if He's saying that the Word of God is to abide in us, and you read, you're going, man, I just I, I couldn't make it out. I I couldn't figure it out. I could guarantee you, because it's happened in my life so many thinking times, that all of a sudden you're in a situation and you're remembering, because the Holy Spirit has brought to remembrance some of the things that you have read before. And so, guys, it is vital. It is so important to have the Word of God in you. To be reading it. To be feeding off of it. Because... When you need to test the spirits, He will bring those kinds of things to remembrance. But when there is lack of knowledge of what the Word of God says, then how do you know? And so it becomes more complicated. He does His part all the time. The Word of Truth is what Jesus has given to us. And when we read the Word of Truth, He will reveal the counterfeit when it comes. You will have this check in your spirit that just something is just not right. It's not because you're so holy. It's because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. No, but but, but you need the knowledge. You need the knowledge of what it says, at least a little bit. (laughs) And I could guarantee you, even that little bit that you take in, he will be able to make that check in your heart because he does his work all the time. But here's where it becomes a little more complicated. Just a little bit more dicey, if you will. There are those who are out there who will say and say that they confess Jesus Christ. They say everything you would probably say and you were going like, they sound just like Christians. But they oftentimes fall short when it comes to the incarnation of Jesus Christ. They will talk about their Lord and Savior, Jesus, that he died on the cross. And when you hit them up, is Jesus God? They kind of like back off and say, well, you know, he's a son of God. (laughs) But is he God in the flesh? Is he Jehovah? And they back up. not of God. They can say it, they can look it, they can can sound so sincere in what they believe. And every time, this is our litmus test right here, verses 2 and 3. This is where you go to. If they don't believe in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, that He left heaven as God and became flesh, And gave himself over in the flesh; they are not of God. They always fall short in the incarnation part of it. Now, guys, understand this: make no mistake, Satan is as far away from being an atheist as you and and I are. He is not an atheist. (laughs) Satan is he is a theist. True and true. Just like we are. He knows that Jesus is God. He knows that. (laughs) He has no doubt about that. And he knows that Jesus came in the flesh. That's why he tried to kill him. He knew that he would come to redeem man. But Satan also knows that if he could keep people in the darkness, if he could keep people from confessing that and believing that, confessing what, what he knows that he will one day have to confess with bowed knees. He knows that if he can keep people from that, they will meet the same fate that he will meet in the end. And so he continues to deceive them. And we are not to be deceived and we are not to be ignorant when it comes to these kind of matters. We need to stand for what the Word of God says. Here's the litmus test. This is where you go to when anybody else calls themselves a Christian. And guys, we're not here to judge and do all these things, but we are to test the spirits. That is right up, right there, what the Word of God says. We are to test the spirits. Take note that John says, and this is the spirit of Antichrist. He is not saying that they are the Antichrist. They have that spirit of Antichrist, of coming against what the truth of the gospel says about who Jesus Christ is. The Messiah, the sent one, God himself, who has come in the flesh. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Bible says in John 1.14. They are not the Antichrist, but they have the spirit of Antichrist. And so he is making a difference of the false teachers, those who have that spirit or mindset of the Antichrist, but they themselves are not the Antichrist, the Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist has been around forever, ever since Satan fell. Because he knows who Jesus is even before. (laughs) Even in the Old Testament, he understood it. And that spirit of Antichrist will not stop until after the great white throne judgment when he is cast into the lake of fire and everybody else that has that spirit. And it will be over. So we should not be shocked, we should not be surprised. That that spirit is already in the world; it has been around forever. John wrote about it two thousand years ago. Where at the end of verse four, he says, "He says, you know that." Oh no no, I'm getting to verse three, where it says, "And you have heard, it was coming, and now is already in the world; it's already here." So do not be surprised. Verse four now. <laughs> It says, but you are, or you are of God, little children. And the little children here, he is he's making reference to the born ones, the Christian converts, those who are born again. As a whole, he's talking to the church. In contrast to the false teachers who were overcome, subdued, conquered by the spirit of Antichrist, he says, but you are of God, little children. Church, you are of God. And you have not been overcome. You have overcome them, the the, the false teachers, but you have also overcome the false teachings of the spirit of Antichrist. And so he is encouraging them as children, as church, as the church, that you have overcome them. Why? Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The one that makes his abode in you, the Holy Spirit who makes his home in you, is greater than anything that is out in the world. And think about that. With all the power that Satan and his, and his demons wield, this unseen spiritual world, they don't stand a chance against you. They shouldn't have a chance against you if you have this knowledge Of the word of God abiding in you. And that you have the Holy Spirit. Because he says right here very clearly. He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And Satan is the prince of this world. He owns this place. And he does not stand a chance against this little old Christian. (laughs) Who has the spirit of the living God abiding dwelling making his home inside of them just doesn't have a a chance the only power against a christian is the power that we let the enemy have against us because of what this scripture says that he who's greater in you than he who's in the world and see in 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 second timothy 1 7 it says for god has not given us the spirit of fear but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's the spirit that He has given to us. Of power. The same kind of power that raised Jesus from the dead. He's given us that power. Of love. The same kind of love that Jesus came this earth to, to, to show. To die for all the world. And of a sound mind. Of knowledge. Of understanding. Of clarity. He's given us that spirit. And so anytime Satan is overcoming us. Oftentimes because we let him. Greater is He who is in you than he who is in the world. That's the confidence that we should have. It's not that now we should just puff out our chest and be like, where's Satan at? There's no reason. There's no reason to go demon hunting or anything like that. There's no reason for that. It's like, no man, you just pray against it. You just keep on moving because God dwells in you. God has given you that kind of that, that kind of confidence that we can walk in that satan is called the prince of the uh, the prince of this world in john 12 31 he is called the god of this age in 2 corinthians 4 4 he is called the ruler of the kingdom of the air in ephesians 2 2 that we just read yet he has nothing on us as christians think about that for a moment as christians he has nothing on us. It's it's not just some cute little promise that he put in there for us to kind of like... It is a true statement. It is so true. It's as true today as the day that it was written. And there is no reason why we can't walk in that. See, Jesus will bow to no one. He will never bow down to anyone. And we are told that every knee, every knee, both in heaven and on earth, and under the earth. Every knee will bow to Him, and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Every knee. He lives in us. (laughs) We get to confess and bow down, and, and every day of the week to Him, because we want to. All these other people will be forced to, at one moment in time. They will be forced to confess his name. They will be forced to bow their knee. And we have the opportunity because we've received him into our lives to do it whenever we want to. What an awesome position to be in. Right on? Oh my goodness gracious. Verse 5. 5 and 6. They are of the world. Therefore they speak as of the world. And the the world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Take note the contrast here. They are of the world. We are of God. They, we, here's the contrast. They, we, the world, God, hearing, not hearing, truth, error. Vast differences. But you, we, we need to remember that we were all once there, just like we read in Ephesians chapter 2. We've all been there. We've all been they in the world, not hearing and in error. And just like us, that that grace that came to us is offered to them. God used someone in your life at one point to show you this grace. And even though you may have shut your ears time and time and time again to them to not hear it, there came a point in your life, if you are a Christian, where you received it, where your your eyes were open, your ears were unplugged, and you heard it, and you you responded to the call. (laughs) In that moment, you went from death to life, from error to truth. What a blessing. What an amazing blessing. And yet this morning, maybe you're here this morning and you've shut your ears time and time again. You've been coming and you've been shutting your ears to satisfy somebody else. You've come to church because your mom, your your parents, your your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your wife have asked you to come and you've shut your ears time and time and time again. And yet you find yourself this morning in church. (laughs) Is it possible? Could it be? Is there a probability that maybe, just maybe, God is calling your name once again to, to this morning? And you can shut your ears if you want again. Or your ears can be opened this morning because the Holy Spirit has been calling out to you, been calling your name. That's why you're here this morning. My heart is that you would confess Jesus and understand that he came he left the throne in heaven to come and die. For those who who confess Christ, communion is something that is really special because you understand that God left heaven and offered himself as a sacrifice for you and for me. The only sacrifice that would suffice, the only sacrifice that would meet a righteous requirement he himself paid the price that we could never pay. And if we receive that by faith, then then to take communion, man, it should be a special time for us. Understanding that it is all symbolic, but at the same time, it shows that, that he left heaven and gave his body to be beaten and bruised and hit by the fist of men and eventually died for you. <laughs> shed his blood. The perfect blood so that we can be cleansed from our sins because we could never pay that price. For those who who do not confess Christ communion if you're into the religious part of this whole thing communion is a duty. It's some kind of religious obligation. That never really satisfies or, or fulfills, and it leaves you empty, and, it, and, and it's in an impersonal time. Mainly because it has been tainted, it's been contaminated with the spirit of Antichrist. And it can never be holy or personal for you. You could take it all you want, it's just juice and crackers to you. It doesn't symbolize anything because it's such a religious thing. Because you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus. The one who left heaven and became flesh and offered his flesh. That's how personal it is. (laughs) We're going to have a time of worship we're going to have three songs we're going to have a time of worship and communion and for those of you who confess jesus let it be a time of worship for you a time of honor honoring the one who left heaven to die for your sins and you can do it for yourself or with yourself you, you can do it with the people around you that you sit with all the time You can go grab your kids if you want to and and have communion as a family. But if you don't know Jesus this morning, and you have never confessed Him as God, as Lord, as Savior, I'm going to be down here. You can come and talk to me. I'd love to lead you to Jesus and we can have communion together. Because it will mean nothing to you if you don't have Jesus in your life. Let's pray. Jesus in heaven, we thank you that at one point in time you left heaven. Understanding, Lord, that you are fully God and yet you put on human flesh so you can taste death for us, Lord. Because you knew that there would be no other way that we could have a relationship with you. And so you came and you died for us. And we bless you and we thank you, Lord, for that precious action that you you did for us, Lord. And Father, there are those even here this morning who are having a hard time with this, Lord, because they truly don't know you. They may be acting like a Christian, talking like a Christian, but they're not a Christian, Lord. And I pray that this morning they would repent And this morning, Lord God, you will truly come into their lives and change them. And you will abide in them. So Lord, please, Lord, I ask that your spirit would do that work. I pray for my brothers and sisters who are here this morning, who know you, who understand all that we've shared this morning and they say amen to it. I pray that, Lord, it would be a special time for them. I pray that it would be A time of just remembering the love that you have for them. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you live in us. You make your home in us, Lord. I pray for my brothers and sisters, Lord, that if they're not hungry for your word, Lord God, that you would just give them that desire to understand so they can test every spirit that comes their way, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that they would not be deceived but stand in the confidence of who you are. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless.